Welcome to Transform Now, the podcast brought to you by robotic process automation pioneer, SSNC Blue Prism. Digital transformation has the potential to reshape the way companies service their customers, engage their employees, and manage their operations. Whether you're looking to develop strategies, tactics, or best practices to positively impact the future of work, or you're curious to see how other companies have successfully navigated their digital transformation programs, then this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform now. Hello, everyone. I'm Brad Hairston with SSNC Blue Prism. Welcome to the Transform Now podcast. Today, I'm excited to have as my guest, John Rogers, VP of Global Strategic Accounts at Fathom AI, which is part of Pearson Education. And they are also a Blue Prism Technology Alliance partner. John and I will be talking about how his company is helping organizations pursue responsible automation. Welcome, John. Why don't you start us off with an introduction? Hi, Brad. Thank you. It's great to be here. So uh, my name is John Rogers. I'm the vice president and global head for our strategic accounts and partnerships within Pearson Education Limited. I'm headquartered in London, but I've had the pleasure of working in three different regions within my career. So started in my career like uh, a lot of people in Silicon Valley in the 90s, starting with Oracle. I was there for about 13 years. As part of that, I ended up moving to Madrid for a bit. Then after the PeopleSoft merger, I actually moved back to the United States and worked for a consulting firm, primarily around salesforce.com. That took me then to Australia for a bit, where I was the head of commercial sales for Australia and New Zealand for SAP before I started working for Fathom AI. You are quite the world traveler. <laughs> I would say you're on the polar opposite end from me. I've been north of Texas once or twice, I think, but <laughs> no, not really. Well, John, it's great to have you on. I'm a huge fan of Fathom and what you guys bring to the market. And Fathom's been on the podcast before. It's been a while. So can you provide an overview of the company for those not familiar with it? Yeah, of course. So Fathom started in 2017, and it was about 18 months worth of model development and so forth. We launched late 2018, uh, and were acquired by Pearson Education in 2021. So we're now part of that Pearson's Workforce Skills Division. But to give you a little context of Fathom's mission, we are a predictive analytics tool that enables the forecasting of technology impact against tasks, against roles, against companies, against industries, or even entire economies, if you want that, over a time period, typically anywhere between one and 15 years. And what this does is it allows people to scenario plan. So if we did X, how would that impact those different elements that I just mentioned? And this allows organizations or governments to future-proof their workforce. So you're an AI company at heart, but would it be accurate to say workforce planning is how you're helping your customers? That may be a little bit too simplified. Yeah, think? I think it is. Workforce planning. If you think about labor supply and demand, and that could be at a company level. So just understanding what employees I need, where and when, and how I'm going to obtain them and the skills that they have. Or when we work with governments, it's more at an economic level. So looking at different industries and looking at roles either rise or descend or industries themselves rise or descend within a particular economy and how you can 
plan for that underneath multiple scenarios over a period of time. You mentioned governments. I know you work in, in both the public sector and in the private sector. What's the mix of your customer base between the two? I'd, I'd say from actual numbers, so quantity perspective, it's more like 80% of our work is directly with enterprise. Um, okay. Probably 20% is with governments around the world, although that's starting to pick up quite a bit, frankly. Listen. There's a lot of transformation going on in, in countries around the world that has brought us to their attention to help them with some of the predictive elements there. If you're talking about revenue, it's probably flip that around. Okay. And how would you describe your typical customer? I mean, what type of role are they generally in and, and what prompts them to engage Fathom? We do work with enterprise and we work with governments, but really the suite of products within Pearson when in Fathom's included in that is relevant to all different sizes. But I would say typically we're involved with larger multinational organizations. The, the user profile is usually the HR or analytics function and their teams. Mm -hmm. So okay. these are leaders who want to understand what skills they have in the organization now and what their needs are going to be for the future. And so we take them on a skills journey to ensure that they, that the workforce is ready for the future. It is important, I think, particularly for whom I'm talking to here to highlight something about skills and tasks. There's a lot of discussion currently. If you were just at HR tech or anything here recently, it's skills and skills-based economy. It seems to be the new flavor. We mm -hmm. had strategic workforce planning and before that 360 review of the customer. I mean, you see these waves come and go right now it's around skills-based economies and so forth. But I think it's important when you're talking about automation to focus on tasks as well. What enterprises are looking for is the completion of a task, not the acquisition of a skill. It's tasks that drive the economy and the completion of those tasks. Skills are how we accomplish those tasks. So it's important when you're evaluating impacts to go down to that task level. And I just wanted to call that out here. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. I will say we're increasingly engaging with IT leadership. We always have, but almost to the, a very similar split to enterprise and government that I mentioned before. It used to be about 20% on the IT mm -hmm. side or the digital transformation side and about 80% on the HR side. We're starting to see that switch to about a 50-50 balance. So increasingly more mm -hmm. from an IT leadership perspective. And they are interested in tasks in, in understanding or evaluating or focusing technology impacts into alignment with their strategic goals. So let me give you an example. The healthcare system right here in England, if their remit, which was within the last couple of years, the remit was you need to increase by 13% capacity. And so the knee jerk reaction there is to hire. 30,000 more people. That's how mm -hmm. you meet that capacity <laughs> increase needs yeah. to have. Now, what we advised was you don't need 13%. You don't need to hire 30,000 people. You need to hire 5,000 people and put in automating technology that allows you to increase the capacity of those people already in the roles. So mm -hmm. again, if you just recently, if you follow the Financial Times over here, They've just announced that they're going on a binge of consumption of automating technology to help meet that capacity need. So I do think it's important on the IT side that we're 
tying together the workforce component with strategic mm -hmm. goals with the technology side of the house. Mm. That is fascinating that IT has entered the discussion and they found this very relevant to what they do. So John, the last time I talked to Fathom, you guys were independent. And, and in the last few years, as you mentioned earlier, you were uh, acquired by Pearson Education. Tell me what the new version of your company looks like under Pearson. Sure. So Fathom is now one of several solutions that make up the workforce skills division of Pearson. With this new division, Pearson is creating a skills-based ecosystem that really focuses and transforms the world of talent. So our solution is people-focused. It combines opportunities for engagement across those functional areas that you mentioned earlier, like workforce management, strategic workforce planning, recruitment efforts, learning opportunities. And I think if I can simplify this the easiest, it's actually a brilliant strategy. Pearson at its core is a learning company and it's arguably the most well-respected and trusted. I mean, everybody has a textbook or has taken a course or at some point produced by Pearson. And what they've gone and done is they've, they've acquired two upper right quadrant companies to bookend that learning component. So Fathom is now the diagnose pillar, I guess, for lack of a better word. In the middle, you have Pearson, which is the learning company trusted to do that. And then they bought a, a third company, which is called Credly, which is a digital credentialing. Think of a digital wallet that contains every individual's skills. It's very interesting how you've evolved with your new owner. And speaking of evolving, I interviewed your founder a couple of years ago. And in that conversation, I used the term future of work, which is obviously something that in this industry we say all the time. And he corrected me a few times and said, no, it's really the evolution of work. That's what we should be saying. Of course, he had an accent, so he didn't say it like that. Do you think it's more appropriate to say the, the evolution of work versus the future of work? I do. The future work is the common term. I think even had an acronym, the FOW, that you saw for a while that everybody was throwing around. I think we can all agree that work's evolving. Future work indicates in my opinion, and I believe it was Mike's as well, of a single point that we're marching towards. And that's right. really not the case. I also know Mike felt very convinced as well that when you put the word future in something, it opens a door for pushing responsibility and action off of current state. Mm -hmm. So we're able right. to kick this down the road. And mm -hmm. his point when he was saying that is, this is happening now. And yeah. if you look at tenure of executives or political tenure, other things like that, this often gets, you put it in a future bucket and it becomes the next person's problem. And this mm -hmm. is something that we, we need to address now and we can't afford to kick the can here. Yeah, that makes sense. It made me think about Gen AI because yeah. when it first came out, everyone's like, this is the future of AI. No, this is AI. This, this is where we are. It's changing everything now better get on the train. So John, let me uh, just bring up this topic of responsible automation, which I know is something that's important to Fathom and important to you. Talk about what that means and, and why that is so important in this era that we live in right now. Yeah. So let's define it first. 
This is basically leading a technology adoption strategy that considers in plans for the future employability of your workforce, either internally mm. or externally. So this yep. is understanding which technologies over a period of time that the organization would like to consume, understanding how the consumption of that technology impacts particular roles or people employing from a skills perspective or automating that rollout, and then coming up with a plan that allows the reskilling and upskilling for individuals. Upskilling if they're going to be using the technology or reskilling if that technology is actually replacing that individual. So that's the responsible automation. It's mm -hmm. really, again, going back to the concept we talked about of tying together a digital transformation from a technology perspective with the human capital transformation. What comes to mind is some of the analysis that we performed on the consumption of particular automating technology and how it would completely remove the last 10 years of DE&I gains made within an organization. So we had one CTO who was putting a particular technology in, and that was going to impact significantly a particular gender. Now, that's something obviously that typically a CTO wouldn't be concerned about. You know, if you think about the remit, they're looking at how do I get cost out, right? And efficiencies in. The CHRO, however, on the other side, has a board mandated DEI program that they'd been making traction against for multiple years. When we exposed what the impact of that particular technology would be, you saw Jaws hit the table. It was mm -hmm. like, oh my goodness. One person who doesn't have that remit is about to wipe out somebody else's board mandated remit. Mm -hmm. So I think this is what I mean by responsible automation. It's understanding and bringing the human capital with the digital transformation to the table together yep. and then mm -hmm. planning appropriately. Yeah. I mean, as technology disruption occurs, I know company leaders would much rather reskill an employee than lay off an employee. So I like how all that fits within this theme of automating, but doing it responsibly and thinking about this new world that everyone's going to live in and what's the role that people can play in that. How does Fathom help individuals identify and acquire the right skills that are required to, to thrive in this new world? So Pearson has several solutions and what's going to happen over let's say a three-year horizon, so sort of a short-term, a mid-term of five to seven and 10 years. And we also have tools that allow us to focus learning and development on those skills that will make the most impact for both the individual and the organization. Mm -hmm. So how do we do it? Fathom tracks nearly 40 technology categories from an availability and an adoption perspective over a 15-year horizon by country and by industry. And I'm, I'm trying to keep us out of deep data science here, but we tie this model with a occupation taxonomy and a very comprehensive skills and task ontology. This yeah. can inform an employer with regard to what skills are required when and where. And so the last time we talked, we, we were a much more of a strategy tool in isolation as Fathom. Mm -hmm. So now enter that strategy of Pearson that I mentioned earlier with the acquisition of Credly, which is a consumer level. So as mm -hmm. skills are acquired, Pearson helps employees maintain that forward-looking view of the skills required in a workforce through this digital credentialing solution or mm -hmm. digital wallet, let's say, 
and makes recommendations based on our Fathom insights. So this isn't just for employees. If you can start to visualize ground up from that Credly solution at the consumer level and predictions coming in from Fathom top down to inform organizations how they should be instructing their employees and informing employees on what is possible and what's trending and emerging at the consumer level. That's beautiful how all that fits together, John. And I believe I'm correct in saying that you're not just helping your customers understand where jobs are going away and what jobs are going to need to be augmented, but also helping them learn where there's new jobs that need to be filled, jobs that they haven't even thought about. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things on that point. It's based in data science. And so it's not a crystal ball. And, and I think sometimes we have to get into definitions here, the difference between, you know, what a job is and what knowledge is as well. So I get often this question in, let's say, financial services. They'll say, what are the, the next five jobs? Is it a crypto analyst? Is it a sustainable portfolio manager? What I argue and what the data science is, that's knowledge. So a mm -hmm. the skills around a portfolio manager are the same. You just need to educate yourself on what sustainable companies are out there. A mm -hmm. crypto analyst is no different from a skills perspective. It's from a knowledge perspective. So we look at the types of roles that will be added to your workforce, but it's more around what is supported from a technology perspective to consume mm -hmm. those technologies. So project managers, cyber analysts, programmers, those type of things. I okay. can't predict something called a financial mermaid in five years. I can only say these are what's trending. And we're consuming documents around the world, tens of millions a month, which allows us to understand what types of skills are starting to emerge or are starting to become in, in greater demand. And we can't educate our customers and get them six months ahead of the curve, I'd say. But we can't invent or hypothesize what's going to come in the future. We want to leave it to what we're seeing. Yeah. If they're not familiar with prompt engineering, they better start finding <laughs> some people <laughs> to do that with Gen AI. That seems to be one of the, the hot new jobs that didn't exist two years ago or whatever. Yep. Well, all of this relates very closely to the, the global labor situation, the labor shortage, if you will. And I know it varies by region. The metrics that you look at around the workforce and the participation of the workforce and the global birth rate, which has been going down for 70 years in a row, all these things would suggest that companies are going to be facing some form of labor challenge availability and skill availability for years to come. What's your perspective on this? So let me tackle one of those. Let's talk about the participation rate. I think the birth rate, this conjures up to me the, the, the scare about, what was it, four, three, four years ago on Skynet and robots are coming and there's going to be right. no challenge left. I, I think it's clear that there'll be plenty of jobs available, even as if birth rate slows. But what's probably more interesting to me is the participation rate. So let's focus on that. So let's avoid the politics of institution and security mm -hmm. nets and those type of things. But we need to make sure that labor in the market is deployed accurately. So mm -hmm. based on the roles that would rise or fall away, 
or industries that may ascend or descend and make sure that individuals in the workforce are either reskilling or upskilling in preparation for those rising or evolving jobs. If I look at some of the work that we're doing in the Middle East, we have economies that are on a transformation journey but publicly moving away from, let's say, mineral or extraction, a resource extraction, mm -hmm. and moving into retail, entertainment, and banking, some other things. So there's a, a massive shift of somebody who was used to working an oil rig and then becoming a concierge within a hotel. So it, it's the participation and the ability for us to work together between all the institutions, the industry leads, the education system to encourage or be able to train people to move within that economy is what's going to contribute to the participation rate increasing. So if we don't have systems in place that retrain and upskill people to make those transitions successfully, you're going to have people stranded and sitting on the sideline. I get in arguments sometimes, and I, I'd love to, to just vocalize this point as well. When we talk about these skills-based discussions, for me, it always comes down to responsibility and execution. There's theory, but the responsibility and execution. So let's take those separately. Mm -hmm. I often hear that, oh, it's the employee's responsibility. So the individual right. responsibility to understand lifelong learning and, and continually skill themselves. I disagree. Or I think analysis has to be done. If you're of a particular age and you're mm -hmm. engaged in a particular industry, the concepts of lifelong learning, you're bombarded with it, you get it, you come out of university, you're familiar with it, you're in touch with systems that encourage it. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're of an older generation in a, a different industry, let's say an older welder, you may not be tied into these and not have that concept. I think in the first case, employee-led is acceptable. In some of the others, the employer has to take responsibility yeah. and educate those individuals. So it's not a simple one bucket or the other. I think there's different ways mm -hmm. you need to separate this. John, your passion for this topic really comes out in your answer there. And I, I truly appreciate the way you feel about making sure employers take care of their workers who are impacted by automation. It's clear why you're in the job that you're in. So. Thank you for your candid comments there. I also think we have to consider transferability as well. This is another thing that Fathom does. So we atomize what it is to do work into multiple variables. So it's not just yeah. skills. That's one component, right? You have to think of context. You have to think of styles. And I think with a lot of the technologies that are available in the marketplace, this all we need is skills and match skills and it's going to work and it won't. Let me give you an example to try to bring this to life. If I work on a shop floor, I'm welding there. I may not know that there's a robot coming in to do my job faster, more effectively than I can. Now you might say, well, this is great because you can transition into construction. That would be something that skills-based analysis would right. encourage. You move mm -hmm. from welding, you move into construction. But there's some things you have to take into consideration. One is in a controlled environment at ground level. The other is outdoor in the elements, potentially at height. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I'm trying to paint a picture that it's more than just a skills-based conversation. There's lots of things that you have to take into consideration. And that's why we go into that level of depth when mm -hmm. looking at the viability of potential transitions within an economy. Right, right. 
So John, you have this powerful AI that, that brings your insights, but you also have an extremely large amount of data on job roles and industries and job markets. Can you share some examples of unexpected or, or interesting trends that you've observed through the, the platform's data analysis? Yeah, there's a lot. I, I can pick one that's relatively recent. So we did a study to look at labor market trends in four major economies. So this was the US, UK, Australia, and Canada. And we looked at the current talent needs and skills needed by employers, as well as capabilities that are required to maintain and enhance the economic productivity by 2026. Those were the requirements put around this. And we confirmed that while technical skills and expertise remain highly valued, the top five most sought after skills now are all human based skills. So things that technology can't replace. So I mean, I challenge you to go to one of the big technology websites and look at what the skills requirements are for a programmer. You'd be surprised yeah. that although languages and Python and some of those things are in there, you're starting to see an increase and rise to the top things like collaboration. So mm -hmm. the, these things that technologies don't do, a communication is a large one. And these yep. are across all industries. So technical skills are important for many jobs. They'll, they'll continue to be. But what's interesting in surface is that people really need to retrain frequently to ensure they keep up with the pace of technology. But that importance of non-technical skills like communication and critical thinking and so forth, the yep. ability to learn cultural and social intelligence are all becoming significantly more important in order to have longevity in a career and be able to transfer mm. things career. You're telling me there's hope for the human race is what you're <laughs> <Yeah>. saying. <laughs> yeah. We won't be you, replaced. In yeah. yeah. Well, all of that aligns really well with the most recent World Economic Forum Future of Jobs report, which I know, I believe, Fathom, you're part of that working group, right? Yeah. We have been off and on. Yeah. So, John, as we wrap up, I would love for you to share a recent customer success story that embodies what you guys are doing to really help companies handle the, the world of digital that we're in right now. Yeah, sure. So there's a very large insurance company here in Europe, and they, future work has always been a priority from about three years ago, and they required projections basically to, to, to guide their strategic workforce planning. And really what they were looking for to achieve was understand what those technologies and the impacts on the current workforce, what that would mean from a ta potential talent shortage for future roles within the company. And then again, using the AI and our ability to distill down at an atomic level what it is to do work in a particular role, it allows us to uncover potential job pathways for mm -hmm. reskilling people from a role high at risk, potentially, to a role of demand. So what this insurance company did was we identified close to 300 different roles in robotics, in data science, cybersecurity, and so forth that would be unfilled without some sort of training. Now, what I really like about this example is the cost savings that they were going to realize from consuming some of these technologies 
they were able to go up to their board and instead of costing it out and having that go to the bottom line, they were able to take a million dollars worth of savings or a million pounds, it actually ends up being worth of savings from recruitment and redundancy costs and all those things. And basically put that directly into reskilling staff. That was a million dollars applied to learning and development within a single year. So I, I love that because it shows a responsibility of an organization and mm -hmm. actually smart thinking of how they could take cost savings and reinvest that into their own organization. So as part of that, they've made a commitment publicly around the desire and commitment to retrain about two thirds of their workforce for these future roles. Wow. That is such a great story. And I, I can't imagine any organization that wouldn't want to be viewed that way in the public domain, that they're proactively taking this step to help their workforce get the skills they need to be successful and to continue to have fulfilling jobs as automation is happening all around them. John, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. As I said, I'm a big fan of Fathom and, and all the cool things you guys are doing with organizations around the world to help them in this skills-based economy that we're in. And really appreciate you being here. And I wish you the very best. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for tuning in to Transform Now. For more insightful discussions on digital transformation and more, check out our podcast channel where you'll find all of our previous episodes. And to make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And if you like what you've heard, please leave us a review. For more information about digital transformation and the future of work, check out blueprism.com to learn how SSNC Blue Prism's digital workforce is enabling enterprise transformation now.